this is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez, where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Today, we welcome Celia Wolf-Divine and she's going to talk about forgiveness with us. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Celia, and your ministry. I'm actually a retired philosophy professor, and my interest, my work on prayer has come rather late in my life. Uh, I guess in the mid-90s, I was seeing a priest for spiritual direction. I, I always saw him sitting next to the sacrament, and I said, now, this, is a good, this is a good man, I'll ask him. So, uh, he's a Dominican. He was very helpful. And one time in Lent, I said, what, you know, I love litanies for some reason. I just really, I enjoy saying, I was brought up Episcopalian. They have a rather beautiful litany too. Mm-hmm. And he said, you might try litany of the Sacred Heart or the Precious Blood for Lent. So I started doing the litany of the Sacred Heart. And I found it opened all kinds of doors for me in prayer. I started making little notes about prayer while I was praying you know, things I wanted to remember that had kind of come to me, or uh, a lot of it turned out to be stuff about how to pray. And I had a, lots and lots of notes, and I started circulating them around. I believe when you're writing, it's always good to circulate things to people and get feedback. And people said it was very helpful. I should expand it a bit. So uh, gradually it grew into a book on prayer called The Heart Transformed Prayer of Desire, and uh, Catholic Truth Society, I knew the man named Stratford Caldecott, who was, I don't know if he was the editor. Anyway, he commissioned me. He, he read my other book, and he said, would you mind doing a, a little book explicitly for Catholics? Because my Heart Transformed book tried to, tried to address a kind of wide spectrum of Christians. I mean, just so long as they're kinds of, you know, people who don't, there are some Christians who say you should never use set prayers, mm. always be spontaneous. So, you know, I, I, I thought a wide range of Christians would find the uh, prayers helpful. And uh, so uh, he said, why don't you do something specifically for Catholics, for Catholic Truth Society? So I did, I spent a whole year on this rather small book, but it's paid off. I think it's uh, called A New Companion to Prayer meeting God where you are. I think it's only available in the United States now on Kindle because it's published in England. And uh, that's wound up, I've wound up making contact with some people in England who are using it in some of the British prisons. So I feel very happy about that. I donate some of them each year and stuff. And so I've given a few workshops for our diocese in Providence, Rhode Island on prayer, and uh, we go to Maine in the summer. I did uh, a workshop in Portland for their uh, catechetical program on uh, developing a morning prayer ritual routine. I usually just did uh, one presentation on prayer for the catechetical and service program in Providence, but one year, the the year of mercy, you know, it was declared by the Pope, and they said, well, that's our theme. Can you connect it? So I I did a presentation on prayer and forgiveness Mm -hmm. and the importance of prayer for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And that was very, very well received. So I said, that's great. I think I'm going to develop these notes into an article. So I got it 
one in uh, Our Sunday Visitor. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2004. Wow. Uh, and then it seems to have circulated. They, they asked, some people asked for permission to reprint it, and it seems to have gotten out in various different places. So I really, I don't have a regular ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of just finishing a book. My minute has been a lot writing. Uh, we, my husband and I did an anthology on gender issues back mm-hmm. a long time ago. And the last chapter was on gender and God. You know, do we think of God as father, God as mother? Uh, Crossroads Press uh, approached me about that at that time. said, so, you know, I, I didn't follow up right away, but I did follow up. And now they've agreed to publish that as a book. Mm-hmm. So that's forthcoming mm-hmm. called uh, Naming God. Mm-hmm. And it should be out by the end of the summer, I think. And it's an anthology of all different, a lot of different perspectives. So your post on forgiveness was, uh, was really well done. I mean, for an article that was done 15 years ago, it has gone viral. I think a lot of people have read it, appreciated it, shared it. And uh, I think yesterday's reading also uh, at Mass was about forgiveness. So why is forgiveness so important? Well, you know, it's a fallen world, and we're always wounding each other in small ways or sometimes large ways. And without forgiveness, the world quickly becomes hell. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the problem is, of course, forgiveness doesn't come very naturally to people. Sometimes it's humanly impossible. So God, in his mercy, breaks into this situation through the death and resurrection of his son to wash away our sins and give us grace. Uh, Grace, it really takes grace to to forgive it's not i think some people think it's just a matter of the will Mm. you know i just decide to forgive but we can't uh it's a process and sometimes a very long process Mm. if we're if we want to forgive from our hearts as jesus says and it's right there in the lord's prayer i think christians particularly are called to a radical forgiveness even extending to our enemies which uh, is unique in some ways, I think, to Christianity. Uh, give, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, and there's a deep link there, but it's complicated. Uh, I think sometimes when we pray that, we can get discouraged if we're trying to forgive somebody and not, you know, still feel, feel we haven't mm. forgiven it. You don't want to think, well, God is condemning me because we're not forgiving us because we haven't succeeded yet. I mean, God chastises those who are hard-hearted and chronically unforgiving, like the merciless servant in Matthew 18. But I think God is compassionate and patient for those who are in the throes of pain and anger, uh, suffering from some deep betrayal and struggling to forgive. I think God has compassion on us as long as we're trying. And Holy Spirit only makes full forgiveness possible. Yeah. I found a beautiful passage in Henri, Henri Nouwen, Henri Nouwen, a French pronunciation. He wrote uh, something on the return of the prodigal son. He says, I need light, but that light has to conquer my darkness, and that I cannot bring about by myself. I cannot leave the land of my anger. I am lost. I must be brought home by the shepherd who goes out to me. So we have to let ourselves be found and healed. Mm. We can't just say, it's not just our will, it's sometimes a long process. So it's a 
I don't know how to say how important it is. I mean, I don't think any Christian would deny that it's important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to live, just to, to live with another person, yeah. it requires an awful lot of <laughs> forgiveness just in little <laughs> ways, and, you know, letting things go by uh, and so on. Uh, you don't, we don't want to deny that there is a hurt and say, oh, it's nothing, you know, because if we, if we really were hurt or there's an injustice, if we repress our feelings, it can come out in bad ways. Mm. It's not just forgetting, though a little forgetfulness helps, I think. I, I think in terms of uh, the metaphor that I find helpful is turning your face away from their sins. Mm. You know, because God turns his face away from our sins. Uh, so you, what it requires for a start is to stop nursing your anger mm. and holding the wrong against the person. But you don't. Uh, you don't need to immediately feel all warm and fuzzy toward them. <laughs> Expect that the relationship will turn right away to what it was. Rebuilding trust can take time. And there are cases where the restoration of relationship in a concrete way is impossible. For example, the other person may be dead. Mm. Now, th now, this is one my husband always brings to my attention because he has a colleague where this really fits. <laughs> or a full restoration of the relationship may be only a very distant hope. When the offender is totally unrepentant and ready to do it again, and maybe they feel virtuous for doing it, you know. So uh, that's you. It's you, it's all right to keep some distance to protect yourself, especially in these kinds of cases, where the person is totally unrepentant and ready to do it again. Mm -hmm. Keep some distance to protect yourself, but we should pray for reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Also, a nun explained to me. I think this is she put it so perfectly. She said in. In forgiving, we do not we do not absolve the person. Mm -hmm. Only God can do that, and only they can ask for it. Okay. You know, so it, it's something freeing us and freeing them, mm -hmm. in a way. But it's uh, God is the one who will have to forgive them, and they have to ask. But we have a master teacher now, and Jesus Himself taught us a lot about forgiveness through various parables. So what exactly is his teaching about forgiveness specifically? Well, I guess we try to forgive others as God forgives us. Mm. I mean, I think you have to think about uh, a prayer is so important because extensive prayer sometimes because each of us is at a different place. There is just is no one size fits all answer. We come to God with all our life experiences. We have different temperaments. We're dealing with different sorts of wrongs committed against us. Sometimes they're horrendous. So they can be relatively minor. We get all head up about it. And we're at different stages in the process of forgiving. So you got to bring the problem to God and say, I need help. I need help. A blind friend of mine whose family treated her terribly. I, I, every time she tells me some new story about them, I want to go and strangle them, you know. <laughs> I get so angry. So the hardest step can be deciding you want to forgive and asking God's help. And her, her advice was, you might have to sneak up on this. You know, God, I want to forgive. Or God, I'm willing to consider that possibility. Possibly someday I will forgive. Help me. That was her sneaking up on. Even a little openness to forgiving is something God can work with. So if you could open your, yourself to God's forgiveness and healing love, once your own emotional pain has abated some, it's easier to try to forgive. Uh, so you have to take a, a, a good look at yourself in prayer 
mm-hmm. you know, remember the speck in the be- the speck in the brother's eye and the beam in, in your own. Regular confession can help here. Ask him to help you control your anger. One pair that I think is kind of neat, this one, sometimes it can really surprise you. I mean, God, help me see this person as you see him. Mm-hmm. And this can yield surprising results from instant feeling God's love for them or seeing them as lovable, their brokenness may be revealed or extenuating circumstances. Sometimes you come to understand how they see the situation and find they were at least partly right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember one time I was in San Francisco and I had just become a Catholic and there were these gay guys who were addressed, they called themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and they dressed as nuns. Okay. And they they were nuns' habits, and he called himself Sister Boom Boom, you know. I was looking at this bearded guy and his nuns' habit called Sister Boom Boom, and I was feeling I was feeling really sort of def- angry at him, you know. Ugh. And I, well, I asked to God, show me, how do you see him? And I felt this, I had this vision like of this love coming down, just trying to find a little chink in his armor mm. to get through to him. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> so, you know, if you ask yourself, how does God see that person? And, and then just say a quick prayer for them if you can bring yourself to it. And uh, he knows what's needed. So uh, better not tell God what they need. I think that's what's one thing important in prayer. Ask them to help a person, but don't tell God what to do. Because he'll know. God knows. I listed some practical suggestions. Yeah, you wrote uh, a seven step to forgiveness. And I know they're not step steps, but uh, could you share those steps to forgive? Yeah, they're, they're, they're tips. They're sort of suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not in order like that, but okay. Uh, some people say, oh, if you're angry, you should vent, vent it, kind of blow it off, and then you will, it'll go, you know. But psychologists have discovered that actually venting anger doesn't dissipate it, but reinforces it. Mm, So anger is not bad. It's like fire. It's both useful and dangerous. It can spur us to act forcefully, say, so to correct an injustice or protect ourselves and others from harm. If there's an ongoing offense is damaging innocent people. So it's okay to be angry. I think this is a really important thing for Christians to hear, but you have to direct the anger to do what you can to right the situation, especially where innocent people are being harmed. Mm. But don't let it eat you up and go after them for revenge. So venting is not a good idea. The second point I made, I guess, when you've done what you can, don't keep going over it and nursing your grudge because this keeps you entangled with them and can warp you into the sort of person others flee from. Brooding over wrongs opens the door to all sorts of bad things. St. Paul says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Do not give the devil a chance to work on you. I think we've all met at some time in our life, probably more than once, somebody who's just eaten up with anger over Mm. something or things, you know, some injustice they suffered or some betrayal or some family quarrel and can't wait to, you know, they're just so obsessed about it. They're projecting anger, and everybody wants to get away yeah. from a person. You, you, have you met people that are just, they seem to be eaten up with anger? You don't want to have that energy around you. You want to sort of 
escape <laughs> you know please no don't don't i i you don't you don't want to have their comp it's very hard if it's a person you care about yeah my husband had a friend like that he was just projected so much anger it was very hard to be around him so at some point you just have to let it go and asking for a spirit of gratitude i think might be a good antidote here the other the next point uh is uh be careful about involving other people in the quarrel. Uh, I think we it's entirely okay to have a confidant, you know, a close friend that you think is not going to spread it all over. You might want advice, you know, someone that you open your heart to about what's happening and ask advice and all. But don't, uh, don't go spreading around to anybody who will listen. Yeah. I think I quoted... Uh, Pope Francis saying uh, gossip is sort of like a terrorist, you know, you, <laughs> you, you, lob, you lob a bomb and, you know, and run away. Yeah. I mean, I've heard such terrible, sad stories of uh, people whose lives have been ruined by gossip. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, don't spread it all over. Okay, if, you've, if you think you've wronged somebody, you should ask their forgiveness and make some sort of restitution for your wrong. Because, uh, you know, that gives the other person an opportunity to forgive you mm. and be free. Because as long as you're brooding over the wrong, you're kind of entangled with that person. You know, they, you can't, it, you're, you become free when you let go of the, the wrong. And, and, uh, and so if, uh, if you've wronged somebody else uh, and you, you say, you know, you apologize, ask forgiveness that gives them the wonderful opportunity to forgive mm. uh, another point uh don't sweat the small stuff mm. you know saint Teresa of lisieux is this does this beautifully yeah there's a there's a little book on her i forget what it's called oh i wish i could remember it was written by a carmelite who's a who is a uh, psychotherapist but the way of little of saint Teresa of lisieux Mm -hmm. uh, she was wonderful at that. When you're a nun and you live in close quarters with all these other women, you probably nearly go crazy. Uh, but uh, you have to let things. People get in squabbles over little things, and they. She says, "What what we choose to fight is so tiny. When we win, it's with small things, and the triumph itself makes us small." When we become embroiled in trying to argue, explain, justify ourselves, we lose our peace of soul. Better let the matter drop in silence. Now, she was never afraid to speak the truth forcefully when duty required it, but she chose her battles wisely and uh, let the, you know, chose to let little things go by for the sake of her own peace of mind, not getting all riled up and fighting over little things. Uh, Act for the, another point, uh, act for the person's good even when you don't feel like it. Don't slam the door permanently. Allow the person room to change. Keep praying for reconciliation. You don't just sort of walk away and slam the door. But you keep, you know, you do what's for their good as much as you can. And one thing I really like, they changed it a little bit in my article, but some forgiveness ritual at bedtime, particularly if you've had a kind of rocky day. Yeah. But there's a uh, Ukrainian right monastery I go to. It's quite a small monastery. I've been there on retreat. 
and they at, at their uh, comp line they have they have a little ritual. They say, "Pray for me and forgive me, for I am a sinner." And the other one responds, "May God forgive you." Mm. And I do that with my husband sometimes because you know there are people, unfortunately. <laughs> who absolutely will never apologize yeah. say i'm sorry i did x yeah. you know they may try to show you that they're sorry by yeah. doing something nice for you but will never say no i shouldn't have done that i'm sorry yeah. forgive me they just never do that and you go you feel like you're carrying it you want that apology yeah so yeah. if you hear them saying pray for me forgive me for i'm a sinner that shows a, a general disposition that they're able to be uh acknowledge that they're generally sinners in need of forgiveness. So you don't have to hold out for them to say, I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry. Because some people just have a terrible time yeah. saying they're sorry for some particular thing, even when they jolly well should. Yeah. And you just, it's, it's, so I, I find that's a very nice formula because you say it and they say it and it kind of covers the waterfront. You know, forgive me, I'm a sinner generally without their having to fess up to particular wrongs. It's easier in some ways. And, and hearing them say that is soothing, helps you let go of it. I think uh, they changed that in, in our Sunday visitor and said, well, have a forgiveness ritual. But mm. they didn't say what, uh, you know, but whoever you live with, uh, if it's family or children or sisters or, you know, any, whoever you live with, some uh, short ritual at bedtime is helpful. Now, we always focus on forgiving other people. And sometimes the problem is with letting go of things that we accuse ourselves of. So how can we forgive ourselves before we can even learn to forgive other people? Uh, that's a hard one. I haven't I hadn't thought about that this time, so I'm, I'm going to try to wing it, okay? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, first of all, forgiveness is not ours to give. Yeah, I mean, we do not, I mean, it's God who, to whom we're accountable, yeah. you know, so uh, praying that God will forgive us. If God has forgiven us, we can't insist on higher standards than God, I guess, <laughs> but uh, I guess humility, recognition of our own, okay, I sin, that's what, you know, I think sometimes there could be a certain pride, you know. Yeah. That we don't want to admit we're capable of sinning, mm. and we don't want to. We want to be more perfect than we can be. And uh, I don't know. There's some things that would be so big and so difficult. I don't know what I if I could manage. But like, thanks be to God, I never had an abortion. But if I did, I think that would be a very hard one. Mm. Or a little, I, I think sometimes the devil tries to get at us too yeah. by, by dredging up, even sometimes just little things that yeah. we have feel bad about ourselves for doing yeah. and just letting them come infest your mind all the time. Yeah. Letting them come back at you is really more the devil than God. I mean, I think uh, as, you have to ask God to show you where he wants you to change. Yeah. You know, and uh, if we try to, all these self-improvement programs and we, you know, God, Jesus is the spiritual director. I think that's the important, you know, he will show us what he wants us to work on. Like also there's the problem of things in the far past yeah. that we may have repressed, repressed memories of 
childhood abuse and stuff like that. And I had that as I had childhood abuse. And it was, I was 30 before I, God brought it up to my consciousness to forgive, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe earlier I didn't have, I wasn't grounded enough. I didn't have the ability or strength to, to forgive. It's sort of, I think therapists who go digging around in the past too much can, what do you call it, uh, sort of a bull in a china shop, you know. <laughs> it's very delicate work, and we try to, the delicate work has to be done by the Holy Spirit and letting God sort of direct us the time at, at which now, this is what he wants us to work on now. Mm. So relying on the Holy Spirit would help us, uh, and in time, God would help us with, with forgiving ourselves. Yes, I think that that's a good summary. <laughs> uh, it's it's sometimes more than humanly possible. Mm. And uh, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. For as a Catholic, I find confession helps because it forces you to face up to. Yes. Things. Suddenly you find yourself doing something that you didn't think or having a thought that you just didn't think you were that kind of person. You say, oh, my gosh, what did I, you know? Yeah. And you have to sort of fess up. Yeah, yeah. So after confession, we have what is called penance. Now, there are a number of people who keep saying, well, I'm doing the same thing again. Uh, you know, it keeps happening. Or how do we make this penance really meaningful without making it a ritual so that we don't do the same things that we're doing over and over? Well, there's two questions there. I mean, I, I approach a penance as a way of expressing my thanksgiving to God for having mm-hmm. forgiven me. Okay. Of course we do the same things over and over. We're creatures of habit, you yeah. know. Habits are slow to change. Yeah. And you get grace. The sacrament of confession is a, is a channel of grace. And if you keep bringing it back, it's going to work, you know, eventually, eventually you will have the grace. You know, to you'll you'll notice. I think sometimes you notice changes more over a long period of time. You know, sometimes there's some pa- some pattern that you had or you that was really troubling you, and all of it. You know, one day you say, "Hey, I'm not doing that so much anymore." Mm-hmm. You know, you notice that over time you have a you're more patient and. One my, my favorite example of that is I used to get hysterical in traffic jams. I would go ballistic, <laughs> you know. And so uh, I got to a point where my patience was improving. So I could offer it up, you know, say, God, I offer up this suffering that I'm experiencing <laughs> for some good. Bring some good out of it. I'm going to stay calm. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go ballistic in this traffic jam. I'll just quietly sing a hymn or say a few prayers or, you know, uh, and I thought I could endure traffic jams much better. Now, uh, at a certain point, if it's bad enough, I might still get a little unglued, but, uh, you know, you, you know, you'll notice the different areas in your life. I, one for me is learning to keep my mouth shut and not blab things. And, you know, I sort of being a bit, Guarding my tongue, I'm not good at that. I sometimes say things that uh, will wind up hurting somebody, though I I didn't intend to. I just didn't think before I spoke. Mm. I can't. I wish I could say God had really helped me with that. I think maybe He has, but I think the changes occur over a period of time. Sometimes 
you know, a friend of yours may notice too, and you don't notice yourself, but you seem different, you know? So I think the changes, it's like rebuilding something inside of you so that there's, it's a slow process. It's like a seed germinating or growing, or it's a, most of these patterns we've had all our lives, it's not exactly, a, it can't be quite a, a quick fix because uh, we spent years developing those habits and uh, it takes a while for them to just, the fact that you're bringing the same things, I I don't know. I don't, it's God's grace alone that enables us to forgive at all, uh, to get there, to change, to become better. So we have to sort of wait sometimes for God to get, <laughs> I mean, we should cooperate, obviously. We should try our best, but it will take time and we need a lot of prayer over, over things. Any last bits of advice about forgiveness? I wish I could uh, hear the people out there and see what they're thinking, what, <laughs> what, what advice they would like. I mean, is there anything that comes to your mind? Um. I don't know, maybe um, a struggle with a particular person, forgiving particular people. Well, asking God to show, help you see them as he sees them, mm-hmm. praying for them. Yeah. Sometimes I think forgiveness, uh, I remember one time I was very angry at somebody trying to forgive him. And, and I, I felt like God was calling all the angels and saints to witness, you know, mm-hmm. that I, that I, the demand that I forgive, and, and just not continuing to dwell on it, not holding it against that person, mm-hmm. not going over it again in your mind, is choosing not to hold it against them. Because mm-hmm. we use things, we sort of hit the person with it, or we... we Get back. Yeah, or just, uh, or we want to condemn them, you know, and say they're bad, they did this. And I, I do like the prayer of asking God to help you see people as he sees them. Sometimes I've had a lovely experience with that sometimes. If I look at the people going up to communion and church, yeah. uh, I can see while, while the communion's being given out, I suddenly see for a moment God, the people as God is seeing, you know, he, the grace that's being poured out and these people who ordinarily I might find stupid or boring or irritating or whatever, bathed, <laughs> bathed in God's love as they go, you know, they're, they're coming up, searching, seeking, opening to receive God and in communion. And that's, that's the, I see them differently sometimes. I, it's a very useful prayer, generally speaking. Uh, and sometimes I try to see things as my husband is seeing it and I discover something he was saying amazingly, it was actually right. <laughs> so being patient with yourself that it takes time, I guess, is God's time. Okay. So, Celia, where can people find uh, you and your books if they want to contact you? I have a website, www.celiawolfdivine.com. I, I think it probably has my email is cwolfdivine at gmail. I believe that my little Catholic Truth Society book, a new companion to prayer is only available now on Kindle, but it is available on Kindle. I was having the hardest time trying to get copies of it here if I gave workshops because it's published in England. Mm. Heart Transform Prayer of Desire is still in print. That's my that's my longest book that kind of 
came out of my own prayer life directly and it's it's aimed at a kind of wider audience mm. of Christians generally that the Catholic Truth Society once aimed at Catholics. So I have a blog on prayer. I have a blog on pro-life. I've been very involved in the pro-life movement, something that has drawn me to the Catholic Church over the years. But uh, I hope it's posted on my website. I think it is probably some but seawolfdivine at gmail.com will got, get to me directly without having to go to my website. I still do some philosophy, too, hopefully, and not just theological stuff. The book on naming God should be out with a Crossroad Press by the end of the summer. And that's kind of a dialogue. You know, it has goddess worshipers and you know, people with different perspectives. Uh, it's feminist critics like Elizabeth Johnson and mm -hmm. responses, uh, some of the feminist criticisms and responses to them. Uh, I go crazy. What got me, one thing got me started is we, we, we read Give Us This Day. It's a little booklet with prayers for each, you know, the readings and mm -hmm. a few prayers. And the nun who's in charge of the morning and evening prayer is constantly changing the Psalms mm. to re remove all male pronouns. Oh. It drives you crazy. I have to carry another Bible around with me. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know. The, some of the readings in that are pretty punchy and feisty, and some of them are very academic. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think it makes good reading. I have one article on role of women in the church, mm -hmm. how we need to bring to the church our distinctive excellences as women. So all the best with your book in the summer. And uh, we hope to have you again in the future as a podcast guest. Thank you so much for sharing your post and all your ideas and uh, everything about forgiveness that, you know, it was really great listening to you. Thank you ever so much for having me. God bless you all out there. Take care. <laughs>